This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. This week on sale is Double R Ranch T-Bone Steaks, Carlton Farms Pork Tenderloin, and Mary Hill Peaches, which are all great for gil- gr- which are all great for grilling. So get the grill out and get to Zupan's. And one of the things we love to talk about when we talk about Zupan's is the resource they are. So they've got these great things on sale, but maybe not might not be familiar with what to do with them. Go to their website, become a member of the news feed, and you'll get actual recipes on how to cook up a great carne asada recipe or Korean barbecue or chimichurri. If you've never made chimichurri for you, you can go to zupans.com. The recipe is there. And that doesn't mean that you can't ask the butcher, which, by the way, we know Zupans has one of the best butcher shops in town. Mm -hmm. And also they have lots of prepared foods. That you might even catch Chef John behind there, and you can ask him if you have a question about the best way to prepare something. Very nice. And coming up on July 26th, that's a Wednesday, it's a flat chicken one-day sale. This is where you get a spatch-cocked chicken that can lay flat on your uh, grill or your Traeger. Uh, they'll take care of that for you at your local Zupan. So save the date, flat chicken day, Wednesday, July 26th. That should be something that is mentioned on every radio station around the country, Flat Chicken Day. Flat Chicken Day, yes. spatchcocking. Spatchcocking, the whole thing. The yeah, whole that's thing. good for morning shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find Zupans there online, or you can go to any one of three locations. Where are they, Court? That would be West Burnside, Lake Oswego, and McAdam. Well, here we are. It's right at the fork, and I am Chris Angelus, your host, and we happen to be short a court today. He's not with us. You'll always hear court on our intros to our episodes, and we're not hearing him. So on his behalf, I will ask you to like and subscribe to the podcast right now. That helps us out quite a bit, and we appreciate your listening as Our avid listeners may know we have many episodes in our archives, over 300, over 350, I believe, that go back years. And once in a while, we run a classic episode, uh, actually once a month. And we like to bring those to the forefront for you to listen to. And this one today happens to be from a year ago, August of 2022, with one of my I would call him a great friend and one of my favorite people in the hospitality industry, Andre Barnes of Erdineta. And I thought it might be uh, an interesting opportunity to bring him back after I happened upon a quote, which I found a little shocking this week uh, on my Google News feed, that according to Bankrate, just 35% of Gen Zers told Bankrate they always tip their server at a sit-down restaurant. Let me repeat that. 35% of Gen Zers told Bankrate they always tip their server at a sit-down restaurant. Now, these are folks in their 20s, and they are getting older. And so what does that mean going forward for the hospitality industry that is already at many crossroads with regards to uh, labor, food costs, and just the costs of running a restaurant overall, the real estate, the supplies it takes to run the restaurant, everything. Costs have gone up. And so, of course, that's going to have to be reflected in prices on menus. And on top of that, though... If you've got a clientele that isn't tipping, you're not taking care of the people that make that help make the restaurant run. Now, on the other side, baby boomers tip at a rate of 83%. That's also surprising to me. So 17% of you just say, fuck it, and walk out. I don't get that. I don't understand. You know, for to me, it's always been an argument about, not an argument, but an issue of how much do you tip, 15, 20, 25. And by the way, we're not talking about a coffee shop here. We're talking about a sit-down restaurant where someone is actually waiting on you and 
providing hospitality. So I thought it would be uh, a nice time given that. And given the fact that as a proprietor of Portland Food Adventures, where we do trips with chefs and those from restaurants to foreign lands and also domestic lands as well, um, domestic destinations, um, I thought, who better than the guy who really has this dialed in at Urdaneta than Andre Barnes, who has done an incredible job not only serving people and providing a great experience for them at Urdaneta, but in suggesting that if they really want the deep experience, they come with us on our trip to Basque Country, which we're now doing for the fourth time in April 2024. It includes um, uh, stops in Bilbao, San Sebastian, which everybody knows is probably well known as one of the great food destinations in the world. And then what really makes Portland Food Adventures trips very different, and there's a lot, but we'll be going to Bermeo, where Chef Javier, with Javier, where Chef Javier grew up and uh, maintains a residence right now. He knows his way around. We go into the country to three-star Michelin restaurants, to Azadors. It's just, it's, it's as adorable, the whole trip. So Andre knows this. And it, actually, in the last month, we put our fourth trip up that we've done to Basque Country, and we're over half full right now, awaiting deposits to make it half full anyway. Uh, and that's great. It's a highly uh, desirable trip to go on for anybody who loves food. And one of the reasons it's highly desirable is the cast of characters that come along with us, which not only include our great uh, patrons who come, but also Chef Javier, JL, who is anybody who goes to Urdaneta knows is the person who really makes that place run in the front of the house, and also Andre, who uh, knows how to provide hospitality. So I guess I thought it was a good idea to talk to someone who lives and breathes hospitality and lives and breathes on gratuities and uh, talk about you know, what it's like to be at the front of the house and maybe remind some people what these folks do so that they remember to tip. Now, the vast majority of you out there, that's not an issue, but this was a, this was a really surprising number to me that younger people, for whatever reason, haven't, aren't in the game when it comes to tipping. And I, I just wonder what that's going to do. And I don't know how to change that necessarily. How do you, how do you tell someone, hey, tip? Well, maybe this podcast will do, do a little bit towards that, but who knows? At any rate, this is, let's see, episode 322 from August 18th, 2022. And we're bringing it back to life in late July of 2023. This is Andre Barnes of Urdaneta. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. Well, we've got Andre Barnes here. 
on a beautiful Wednesday morning. How are you doing, Andre? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you, Chris? I'm great. You sound great. You know, I didn't know until, I don't know, a few months ago that you are a professional at this. You should take over and just interview me. You're the, you've got the professional voiceover. <laughs> well, good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, everyone. This is Chris Angeles coming at you live from uh, Manzanita. Well, you should be yourself. We don't need to revol- reverse roles, but we could try that. You want me no, to try no. to answer? You want me to try to answer for you? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. No. How about you just stand by? I'll ask the questions. I'll do the responses, and then you just nod That'll or work. chime in if it's incorrect. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thanks for doing this. I don't think you're uh, necessarily a morning person. This is 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. Is this too early for you? Yeah. Well, yeah. This is a little bit early for me. But uh, well, I appreciate you doing it. We we accommodated your. Um, Something yesterday and last week. So yeah. here we are. I'm sorry you're here at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday, but thanks. It works out. So I wanted to interview you because, one, you're one of my favorite people in the industry in Portland. And I truly believe that you provide one of the best restaurant experiences as a server that I know of. And I've always told people that if they want. Uh, a really nice, romantic, delicious experience to go to Urdaneta and perhaps not necessarily request you, but hope that they end up with you as their server. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate that, Chris. Well, it's uh, I appreciate the experiences I've had, and you and I, we will talk about it. We've been able to share some experiences together in Spain, and we will continue to do so. Oh, yes, sir. But I want you to talk a little bit about that. Why don't you um, introduce folks who may not be aware of Urdaneta, what your, the restaurant where you've been working now for, what, seven years? Yeah, close, pretty uh, close. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that's all about? And then I want to get into what it means to have um, people who own that restaurant who make sure that you understand where their roots come from right by by taking you well to this where... is a very unique place to be um and you know the the information and uh the history and the culture and the knowledge that javier provides his staff actually is the the outlet for success you know he he sets you up for success and that's that is something that's helpful for me to be able to provide the customers with the best guest experiences that i can i can give them all the knowledge that i know i can tell them stories about the food i can tell them you know where the dishes come from and why they have the ingredients to do and why they make it and you know it's and it's because of javier and it's because of his excellent techniques and and the, what he he uh shares with the staff and you know like you said he does take he takes us to spain every year to learn the history to learn the culture to feel the vibe and be with the community and and see and um feel to smell the air, you know, and to just be there. So when we can all come back and bring a little piece of Spain to, you know, that little restaurant in Northeast Portland, and and you you want to get away, you just come there for your two hours, and we'll, we'll we'll give you some relief. We'll take you away from your mundane routine, and you know, give you a little slice of heaven or Spain whatever you want to call it. Well, they're one and the same for a lot of people. So, <laughs> for sure. And I, I will say also that you feel that, uh, you feel that uh, escape and that uh, the vibe the minute you walk in the door because uh, as soon as JL greets you, um, you know, greets someone who walks in the door, you, you're welcome. And oh, it's yeah, like, it's, your, it's your family for sure. Exactly. So, um, and I think that the, that that vibe has to come from 
the whole staff there who must feel they do they do appear and you feel like they're family of the restaurant and if that happens then everybody who's there kind of feels that experience as well well listen i'll tell you this just just as if you were in spain and at a little restaurant in a, a little city or town or village everyone that works at that restaurant knows each other from some way or another so jl's mom is married to my fifth grade teacher so i've i've known these guys forever there's two my cousin works there my little brother comes and does dishes sometimes my mom came and did dishes my aunt came to do you know it's just in order to keep this restaurant pushing and working we, we all have to work together you know and it, it shows. It shows. So you've been, um, you have a resume that shows that you last at restaurants for quite a while, right? You were at Luca before, and pro- I believe somewhere else between Luca and Urdaneta. Um, and you were there for quite a while. So yeah, I was, you, I you helped open up uh, a Luca. Well, actually, um, Sean Heron hired me at Luca, and I was there for nine years. Um, and I've been here for what, almost seven, but you know, I've been in the industry my whole life. My dad had, had restaurants and we traveled across the U S and Canada doing big rib cook-offs and events. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's in my bones, man. So what did you really want to do? Was it, you wanted to work at restaurants from an early age? Um, or is that what happened? What, what did you want to do? Oh man, I was in banking for six years. I was an engineer. Um, for a telecom, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, that's why I chose to be an actor because you can be whatever you want to be, you know? So that's, you know, a part of what I do. All these little snippets of my life, you know? Well, talk a little bit about acting. People who come into the restaurant who, who get to see you as doing what you do so well, they, they don't know what you do as an actor, and they don't know you, you, have a, you have a pretty solid gig doing voiceover work as well. Yeah, well, you know, when I'm at work, I try to work and keep it, you know, to the fork, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'd, you know, I done many many theater productions in town and uh, across the u.s and um how did you get to do it across the u.s how does that just happen well you know you have to get your agent and you have to get a manager and you have to go on auditions and you get booked and then you go but that was at a time where i didn't you know that was my main focus that's all i was doing so struggling actor isn't very doesn't pay very well, but once you pay your your dues and you get some solid gigs in between those, it's fine. You know. Are you doing any now? Um, you have a few days off a week, but it's not like you can get involved in a theater production. You can... right, and the last the last couple theater productions I was able to be a part of, um, they were able to rehearse during the day since I work at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I just take the runoff for the show. So that worked out, but it, it doesn't always work like that. Most, most of the, these people work day, day jobs. Right. So what was, your, what was your most memorable role? The one that you would, if you had it recorded and you could, you could use it to take to auditions somewhere else, what would, be that, what would have been that role? Well, I do have most of them recorded, but I think for me... It would it would have been uh, streamers with Barry Hunt. He he was the director for that. David Rabe's streamers, uh, and I I played this. Well, we we tweaked the character, but I played this guy from Vietnam. Uh, you know, this this lost little Latin kid that was getting abused by everybody in the barracks, and you know, it just comes from a, a very sad. You know, upbringing, but it, it was a it was a fun one. It was really challenging, and uh, Barry really pushed me on that. Well, I don't I don't even know who that is. Who is who is Barry? What else has he worked on that we would know of? Uh, well, I did a well 
I did a film with him called The Further Adventures of Anson Buell with uh, Daniel Hill and um, Garfield Winterborn and uh, a lot of a lot of local people. Mm-hmm. Um, that they a few years ago won the Santa Fe Film Festival Award, which was pretty cool for for best director, best uh, film directing. Uh, you know, they're they're just some local people who do some fun stuff. Do you think you will ever uh, find the time in your life where you're going to focus on that again, more so than your restaurant work right now? Well, when when uh, Javier retires, yeah, I'm I'm on this. He's a young guy. You're a long way away from that. You will be Although out. you know, in the restaurant industry, he might be getting closer than. One thinks. Well, the thing if he leaves and goes to Spain and opens a restaurant, I told him, "You're not getting rid of me." So yeah, that's where <laughs> you're gonna go. But I, I, I go. would think when he leaves, he, uh, you know, after the pandemic and um, there's, you know, a lot of a lot of people have left the restaurant industry. It's not an easy industry, it's and true. it especially hasn't been easy over the past couple of years. I mean, I hope that it generally gets better for everybody going forward, but it's still not. It's a little easier than closing down for two weeks and opening up and testing everybody, but it's still, you know, as long as I guess you have a solid staff, you don't have to worry about the labor problems as much right. as some others, but. It's not easy. Yeah. And I don't think it's very different in Spain, right? I mean, uh, I think the industry is, a, is on par with what we have here, there. I think you're right. I think, they, I, you know, I don't, can't speak for them. I don't know the precautions that they take. But, um, you know, when we go there and we eat at those restaurants, like, like you and I and the group did before, um, it seems like they, they were masking up and, you know, doing, they were ninety percent vaccinated in Spain. They, yeah, that's a big difference. That's a huge difference, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, but you know, I think there were a lot of, um, yeah, there were a lot of dedicated people over there. Yeah. So you never know what everybody's going to do. Uh, you couldn't have predicted five years ago where every single person in the industry was going to be today, generally speaking. So. Um, you don't know. But so, listen, what is it about, what is it that you love most about your work? Because you have to love it to leave such a nice impression on people when they walk in and out of that door. Well, it's easy for me to answer that question. It's Javier's food. And it speaks for itself. Like, I totally believe in what this man is doing. And the, the thing about it is I don't have to sell the food. The food sells itself. But I just, it feels like I'm throwing a dinner party every night. And I want these people to leave all their preconceived notions at the door. You know what I mean? If there's something you would not eat, you're, you're going to eat it today. And it, Well, he, to me, that's the most fun part of dining is eating something you normally wouldn't order that you wouldn't know to order. Right. And that's what you're there for to say, oh, just order this yes. and do this. And, and I know. I know because <laughs> I am there every day. You know what I mean? And I eat it and I, I, I taste it and I understand it and I know the ingredients and it's so good. It's his food is so amazing and i just want everyone to you know oh i'm not gonna eat blood sausage well today you're eating blood sausage and after you take a bite and i look at you and i see that smile on your face then i know that job's done can you can you guarantee that experience for someone do you believe in it so much for someone who may not be amenable to it to say you order it and if you don't like it we'll get you something else yes and i usually say if you don't like it i'll buy it we'll get you something else i had a couple come in and they got into it because she had been a vegetarian for 28 years and her husband has been trying to get her to eat meat for 28 years and I said, listen, this steak has been sous vide. It is the best cut. It's going to melt in your mouth. She ate it. 
and they literally got in an argument in the middle of the restaurant <laughs> because she ate the meat and he's been trying to get her to eat meat this whole time. But I'm just like, hey, try it. She loved it. Loved it. Well, I think it, I can understand that. It takes somebody else to prompt someone who hasn't done it for 28 years. Yeah. I mean, he's been working that same beat for a long time. Right. And it, I think it takes someone else to come in from the side and, uh, and do that. And that's great. I, I'm wondering, you know, you know the industry pretty well. How many, how many people who work in the front of the house out there really believe in their restaurant and their chef and their sh- the food that they're serving. I don't get that impression that many people out there are that knowledgeable about their food. There are some places where you know people have been there for quite a while and they understand that. But I mean, how many, I, I can't count. I can I can just tell you many times I've said, "How's that fish?" And you hear a server say, "I don't eat fish." So that's it's kind of a different. Situation. It, well, I'm going to tell you again. Erdeneta is a very magical place, and there is Javier can do no wrong, but with his cuisine, like what he does is impeccable. I don't care if it's fish. I don't care if it's a vegan. I don't care if it's vegetarian. Every bite is different in its own way. It's totally different flavors, but it's like the best. It's like the best, even when and we're in Spain. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Even I didn't when mean we're in Spain and, and he cooks for us at home or, you know, like he did with uh, this last trip, it's always better than any food I've had in Spain. And that always blows my mind. I'm just curious as to what it is about Spain, because I'm going to say that, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to go to Atala very often, but I was friends with Jose at Atala, and this is a gentleman who grew up with his heart in Spain. You know, when we took people there, he was in tears, so he could, in in the process of uh, introducing people to all that uh, caused him to fall in love with uh, with being a chef. Um, do you think there's a certain passion about even we can narrow it down from Europeans to Spaniard people who grew up in Spain or have roots in Spain? Do you think there's a passion that maybe Americans, gen, you know, Americans generally don't have? I think that Americans are just so go 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 go, mm-hmm. and you know. The Spaniards just sort of, the, it, the Basque people, they're just like, yeah, you know, we'll get to it. We'll think, you know, they think things through thoroughly, <laughs> you know, and, you know, well, they don't dot the T's and the I's, they do the X's and the, you know, <laughs> C-H's and Z's, but um, I think they think things through before they act. So they're meticulous about things. Hmm. Well, I yeah, no, I just find that there was something, there's a thread, there's a common thread that went, that for me, and it could be because I know them. But I mean, honestly, I, you know, until we went to Spain uh, a few months ago, I knew javier but i didn't know him that well i still i'm still going to get to know him better than i know but um but i you know and i uh, after a few trips with jose i got to know him but there's something about what they do it's just there that's different than a lot of other chefs that is does not mean to say that there's not a lot of great food out there yeah but there's there's a passion that comes through in the food that is a little different right right it's like art. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. And art art who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go to Sherry's and get a, a some scrambled eggs and tell me what that looks and tastes like. No. Get a tortilla. Yeah, well, get a, get a tortilla know, de bacalao and with some yeah. black garlic aioli and tomato relish and see how you feel. 
All right, so as long as we're on the subject, and this, you know, is turning into a uh, promotional experience for Urdaneta, but I think that's fine. We're doing everybody a service by letting them know about this. But uh, much as you do, people, I'm sure, walk into the restaurant and say, what should I order? What if someone's going to Urdaneta and you're not there? Uh, cause it could be another night where you're not working. Right. What is it that pe- you think people should absolutely, uh, order? And we don't always talk about food on this podcast, but it's interesting to me to, to, if people are going to go to Urdaneta, what they should absolutely, uh, experience. All right. You know, what I tell people is just, I, what I told you at the beginning, leave all your preconceived notions at the door. If there are things that you would normally not eat you have to try it here because he'll she'll change your mind he will change your perspective and i think that is an amazing skill and an amazing gift to have and it's not something you would necessarily say at every restaurant as most restaurants you you could go as far as saying look at the menu whatever you like it's going to be great but yeah, no. it's a different thing to say look at the menu and whatever you think you won't like it's going to be great and yeah. have that yeah have that. Yeah. <laughs> so what is that? What is, what is that? For me? Yeah. Oh, I would have never eaten uh, uh, a, a Gilda. Uh, ew. I always thought that anchovies were the salty, smelly, fishy things that Americans put on pizza. Ew. I don't want that. No. My mouth is watering. <laughs> They're so good. They're so fresh. They're a little pickled. Oh, delicious. And he makes them in many different forms and fashions. Also, blood sausage. I would have never touched. Yeah, that's something that hasn't always been my favorite. And I still haven't had it where I've thought, okay, I'm going to love this from now on. I have had it once in a while where I've accepted it. It's like beets for me. If someone can prepare beets that I enjoy, I'm really happy about that because generally speaking, you know, as growing up as an East Coaster, we didn't have beets. I I didn't even know anything about beets until I moved to Oregon. Wow. um, Have you had Javier's beet salad? Yes. It's it's fantastic. Absolutely. I would order it every time. I know it. Also, right. egg eggplant. I've never liked eggplant, but since he made that dish, I'm growing it in my garden. Eggplant. Yes, and you know, I don't have a good food memory, but the eggplant there, I know I posted to Instagram and said, have wow. this, because, so uh, good. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. So, what is, uh, so you've, how many trips do you think you've now completed to Spain uh, in your, in your, food history there well, since you've worked there before i worked there i went to barcelona for a, a stint uh then i went with javier i've gone and jl times. you keep you, you you leave out jl when you're talking about javier they well, are always, wonderful they're, they're, they're one and the same and i love her just the same jl and mm-hmm. jl and javi um i've been with those guys th- four times Mm-hmm. And then with you and those guys this last time, and then again uh, in a month, so six times, six, and then another one in um, in April. Very good. Yeah. Should we take a moment here to say we have spots for April? Just so let's. You're. We're just for those who are not initiated. Um, I run a thing called Portland Food Adventures, and we do trips to Europe. I mentioned Jose before. We've done four trips to Barcelona. And it was, uh, uh, well, in 2019, we planned, uh, I planned with with Javi and JL to put something together with Portland Food Adventures and Urdaneta. And boy, we did a couple of events there in April of 2019, sold about 30 or 32 spots in a couple of months. Many thanks to you who understands the value of talking to customers and saying, hey, if you want the full on Urdaneta experience, here's what you got to do. Right. So we had, thir- we had over, we had 32 people who were scheduled to go before, right before the pandemic started. It was our first trip in April of 2020. It was planned and we had to put it off until, 2022 most all of those people stuck in which was just awesome 
And so we just completed one in April. We have another one, which this morning I've been working on all morning with transportation and hotels uh, in September. And that's sold out too. That's been sold out since 2020. Wow. And we have another one that we just started promoting and uh, in the spring, I think April 23rd, 24th. Anyway, it's the end of April. And uh, a few people called that you had talked to, so they're signed up. I signed up a few of, uh, of my folks from Portland Food Adventures who've been on my rafting trips with me, and we had a couple of others as well. Nice. So we're starting to fill that one up. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and wants to come with us, first of all, very quickly, I won't make this too long and drawn out. Just go to portlandfoodadventures.com and look at the uh, Basque trip. There's a trips tab. And follow that down. There's the itinerary there. But best of all, there are a lot of images from our trip that we just took three months ago. And it's pretty awesome. I mean, through Basque country, we go to, we start in Bilbao. And by the way, Bilbao became one of my favorite cities. Nice. And I know it's one of Javi's too. Oh, yeah. Now, if not the favorite large city. Um, and then through Basque Country to where Javier was born in Bermeo, where his, he has a place and his grandparents live. Uh, Bermeo and then the Basque Countryside to Michelin, three Michelin star restaurant, Azurmende. And, um, and then we stayed at Castle, and we also end up in San Sebastian for four days doing all of that with you guys presenting Urdaneta in San Sebastian. That's so cool. It was so It's going to be a dinner this time, and we don't know exactly whether it's going to be lunch or dinner in April. Um, but there's, And I think one of the highlights of that trip had to be the trip to that farm. So if you go, you can see images of you holding little piglets cute little bl black and blue yeah. piglets yeah so fun <laughs> so anyway that's the long and short of it but if you're interested in coming with us if you're listening to this podcast and interested in coming with us we have room and we'd love to uh, chat with you you can go into Urdaneta and discuss it with uh, andre he'll give you the the top line and then give me a buzz and i'll give you the the whole the whole ball of wax that'll work um and then we can get that going. But at any rate, I have to say I really enjoyed it. This is the first trip where we've taken someone who works at the restaurant. It's always just been the chef. Right. So we have you and JL and Javier, and it's really I'm, – I'm not necessary in the equation, but it's just awesome to go. Still, so Yeah. Yeah. So – I guess I'm a little necessary. I got to make sure the bus picks us up. <laughs> and the hotels are working. I don't want to pawn that off on you guys. So, okay. um, But at any rate, I was going to ask you, so we just went in, this was a little different for you in April because you go as a staff or as friends. Right. You know, you're very good friends with them and you get to, it's a little more casual. This has got an itinerary involved. Yeah. Um, so I guess I kind of answered that this question for you what was it that you just experienced in april that was something that you hadn't experienced just going on your own before well you know going with a group like that is very different than having the intimate uh experience with the staff that you know we get to know each other a little bit better and see how each other operates and thinks and uh does in certain situations how how, how to work well together but what I loved about this trip is that there are a couple couples that I've been actually serving for over 20 years that I was surprised that they I've, I had forgotten they signed up for the trip. So just to be able to share with them outside of them coming to a restaurant, uh, a little part of, you know, why I do what I do is I, I love that, you know. And there's something different than walking into Urdaneta and seeing you there doing your job and then waking up, coming out, you know, coming out of the hotel and having coffee with you. Right. Uh, you know, and seeing you in your, uh, not in your work, but you're, there's not much of a difference between you on the streets of San Sebastian and you inside of Urdaneta. Yeah, because I'm that. just as excited to be there as I am to be at work. <laughs> Right. Well, I would. That's pretty good after seven years to be excited to be at work every yeah, day. Yeah. 
<laughs> especially through the pandemic. But um, so what's your favorite? You've been all over the place in Spain. Then what's your favorite place in Spain? I'll tell you what. If I could live in San Sebastian, that's where I would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Someday that. you may. I may. You know, we left, we left two of our favorite people there when we did our earlier trips uh, through La Rioja, Barcelona, and San Sebastian. And we have two folks who, the first time they had ever been in San Sebastian with us on the Portland Food Adventures trip with Jose, now live there. So, wow. And they maintain a home in Portland, too. But they're Joan and Jerry. Anybody listening who knows Joan and Jerry, uh, I'll just leave their... That's their first names because they're icons <laughs> with just that. Uh, they're in San Sebastian. And on the ground, they've helped us a little bit. Where with We haven't actually used any of their suggestions. We didn't need to. But they certainly are very well-versed. On, they're big eaters. They were always big eaters in Portland. And they know she's got a list, she said, like 100 long of great spots in, uh, in Spain. Wow. Not only San Sebastian. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, that was fine. But, you know, I found I, I liked Bilbao a little better than San Sebastian. I don't know what it is, but I think there's a little more of a tourism vibe there in San Sebastian now. And there's less of one in Bilbao. And for that reason, um, I uh, I think I liked it a little bit better. Plus, it was newer to me. I ha- I've been to San Sebastian a few times. And yeah. So Bilbao yeah. was a little bit of a, a surprise. But we stayed in a really beautiful hotel and... Um, and the Seven Streets was just wonderful. Love I mean, Siete Calles. Was, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll leave it to you to to do that. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm lost in thought in Spain. I've been working on it for a couple of days, and we're discussing it. So, um, uh, how has have has anything changed? For you working since the pandemic, is it kind of back to where it was in 2018 and 19 for you at the restaurant? Or do you find yourself operating a little differently now? Well, of course, you have to make adjustments. Um, you know, we're all, we're all masked up and, uh, you know, checking for proof of vaccination just to try to keep not only uh, our staff safe, but the customers safe as well to try not to keep this thing going. Um, how's that how is that in the restaurant now are people receptive do you get some people who didn't know it when they made a reservation or just walk in the door yeah but it's some grouchy people sometimes but it's all over the the website and you know when you make a reservation even on open table it says that the proof of vaccination is required but um you know we also have outdoor seating so if you don't have that there's an option to sit outside uh but you do, you know, but with every job, you have some grumpy people. But I feel that it's my job to make them uh, change their attitude before they leave the restaurant. And that's what I pride myself in doing. Like, if you come in angry, you're going to leave happy. Is that a guarantee? That's a guarantee. <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, honey, I'm really angry. Let's go to Erdineta. Maybe, yeah. maybe Andre can turn us around. I'll turn it around. I'll turn <laughs> it around. <laughs> You'll take that challenge. Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. 79, over 79 years. I remember we were just saying 75 years, so time's flying, and uh, and we're coming up on an 80-year institution in Portland, uh, Ringside Steakhouse, where now, something they didn't have for most of those 80 years was, an, was outdoor dining, and their patio is awesome, and um, it's a really nice spot to eat. They have, they have some heaters out there if you need them. It's really pretty. So whether you're eating, you know, when you eat at ringside, you can either eat in the beautiful dining room, the bar now, you can make reservations to eat in the bar, or outside. Lots of choices there, in addition to lots of choices for different cuts of steak. Right, Court? Yeah, I was just telling you this off air, Chris. I went just recently with my wife, Randy. Uh, you had been telling me, you got to get the Wagyu, you got to get the Wagyu. I, I finally did um, because there's so many great items to choose from and I just hadn't got to it yet. I went with the olive-fed Wagyu and it, easily the best steak I have ever had in my life. I, like, yeah. I was dumbfounded by it. 
It's a treat. It's not something you're going to get every time you go in there because it's a little expensive. Sure. But I've seen it for way more elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's something if you have, you know, a couple of times you get to say, just like you did, that it's the best steak you've ever had. And they yeah. have it. They have different options, too. So olive, olive fed is just one of them. The food, the food is delicious. Uh, the service is absolutely bar none. The best in town. We had Colin serving us and just the, the best service the entire night. Best food. If it's a special occasion, if it's not a special occasion, Ringside Steakhouse is the place to go. Yeah, it will be just go in there. It will turn into a special occasion. There it is. So, uh, and they also have food to go now, and they even on their website they've got a, a scrolling banner. Ringside steaks are on sale, so that's a good opportunity as well. So they are on West Burnside. They're open. Let's give the hours here: four thirty to nine Monday through Thursday, four to nine thirty Friday and Saturday, and four to nine on Sunday. And, of course, set up those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or on the Open Table app. Let's, uh, just quickly, I want to talk a little bit about... You took me to Luca the other day. Thank yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That was very nice. I enjoyed that, to your old stomping grounds. Oh, yeah. Um, but you... And... Uh, you also took me to LeShawn as oh, well. Show. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, so that was great, and uh, introduced me to chefs, so I really appreciate that. So those are two of your favorites, and you can talk about those, but some of your other little sleeper spots in Portland that people may not know about, um, where would you suggest they go? Oh, I have a list. I have a list on my phone, so if anyone ever comes in, I can airdrop you that, but there's about uh, 40, 40 of them on my list, but I like Casa Zaria, you know, a little Peruvian. Uh, it's really, really good. Of course, you mentioned Lechon. I've gone there so many times; it's crazy. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's too many to count. Too many to yeah, count. Yeah, well, sometimes that list gets so big you can't process it in your brain. Yeah, and th- and then you do, and then oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. So, what about how about um, nearby uh, in Alberta, close by? Um, Ordenetta. Yeah, well, where, where might be some spots? I dig Expatriate a lot. I love what she does oh. there. Yeah, um, I love that. And their cocktail too. program is amazing. Um, I like the little sandwiches at uh, Le Cave. Uh, mm-hmm. Wine wine bar. It's great. Uh, you know, I just go over there to work. Just work on it. I, I grew up on that street, so mm-hmm. you know, I see things change. And come and go a lot. So, yeah. How do you I like Portland? How do you like Portland now compared to the previous? <laughs> how many How many years do we have in your history? How far back do you go? I, go? I know I know about how old you are, but I don't want to necessarily. It's fine, but you go back quite a ways. You go back into the eighties and nineties, or yeah. as far as the eighties now. Now, oh yeah, 80s. yeah. So, how do you like the current Portland? Um, I like it. I like what they've uh, <laughs> done. I wish that that every street didn't have the same things on them. I wish that like Alberta would be known for some different shops than Mississippi or a Hawthorne or, or, you know, why do we have to have the same barber shop on every street? Why do we have to have the same you know, burger spot on every street. Yeah, but at least it's a local barbershop chain. At least it's not supercuts on every street. Well, understandable. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just like, what what will be the draw then to each of these areas? If you're going to have the same things on every one of those streets, what's the draw? But you don't think here's what here uh, coming from the East Coast and moving. I originally moved to Lake Oswego, right? So everything for me was a drive, yeah. and I didn't care how this neighborhood was really different than that neighborhood. It was that the Country Cat was over here, and oh, isn't this a pretty cool area? And you know, this is over here. But I think most of the people now moving from out of the area aren't. They're just thinking that it's all pretty cool, and they're not right. necessarily looking at every neighborhood. 
you know, I guess I'm not arguing with you because I asked you the question and you gave me an answer. Yeah, and that's it, your answer. No, and, it stems back, though. Back in the day, back in the 80s and the 90s, your neighborhood, your block, your, your strip was what you were prideful of, right? So when people come in and put these th- and everything's the same, we're like, wait, hold on. We're different than this part over here. And that hasn't been maintained for me in my eyes, right? So it's it it, it stings a little bit to make everything sort of the same when you want to be different. Right. Right. Yeah. And I would say, so I moved here in 2005. I think things were pretty different then. I think neighborhoods had a little more, I never understood when like a small wares was close, would close and someone would say, well, it just wasn't right for that neighborhood. I just was like, fuck, there's like a mile away. There's a, it, it might have survived. What's what's a mile? So, Ooh, I've uh, always, but I understand. I've always yeah, loved her her cooking. She, you know, she reopened on Fremont and uh, Williams for a while. I know for a little while. Yeah, but yeah. then I don't know what I don't know what Johanna's doing now. I don't either. But I wish I, she would do. I think I saw a glimpse in the last so six good. months. Yeah, she's. A, I think she's still in town. But that would be nice to find. Yeah, here's someone who was a, one of the most talented chefs, and you know, you talk about coming out of Nostrana with all those Anthony and all those people who came out of Nostrana. It was a beautiful, cool thing about Portland is you had these, you had these spots, yeah. Nostrana and before that Wildwood and, bef- you know, Paley's place. And oh, you had all yeah. of these feeder restaurants that built everything else. And I don't know if that's as clear any longer because those feeder restaurants aren't around anymore. So, I guess I mean I I shouldn't call them feeder restaurants, but they were schools. <laughs> they were they were, you know, culinary schools. Each one of them was a culinary school with a culinary director, like wow. Kathy Wims and Vitali and and Corey Schreiber and uh, I don't know where those are now. I, I they they exist, and you know they're the oxes of the world where a lot of people are going through that have been around a while, but there aren't as many restaurants that have been around. You know, yeah. for the long term, any yeah, longer. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is not the case. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I hope, you know, I know that our food scene here in Portland is impeccable. So, I mean, you can't, you know, just to go explore the different spots is, is usually what I do on my days off. Just to see what's what, who's doing what, what's out there. We should, you, we should have you on the podcast as a... a as a resource for what's new and what's going on. We've always had like Gary the foodie on. Does he stop in? To, oh, I stop, Gary. I came into Urdenetta with him once. Yeah, yeah. He comes in often, actually. He loves that cheesecake. How does he have time to come in there when he's everywhere else six times a day? Right, right. In, in six other restaurants. Well, he has his fanny that. pack on and his shorts and his walking shoes. He's, he's, he, he'll get there. So, interestingly enough, when I first met him, it was at a, at an event we did back in the first year at DOC, right wow. around the corner from you. Uh-huh. And he was dressed in a three-piece suit, like Ooh, a flannel what? suit that was really cool. And it was a whole different, <laughs> Gary was a whole different vibe <laughs> back then than he is now. And yeah. I, I, I get a kick out of Gary. He's, he's the best. He's a great so, guy, um, yeah. Yeah, he, he's good. So, listen, you like to explore. What have you given a lot of thought as to, aside from Spain, uh, maybe domestically or internationally, places you're curious about that you'd like to explore from a culinary standpoint or just from a cultural standpoint? Well, a place that um, has been on my mind and I've been hearing about a lot is a place called Community. It's up in Seattle. I guess the, uh, the ladies who used to own Kingfish, uh, run that restaurant now. And I would literally drive up to Seattle, eat at Kingfish, and drive home. Three hours each way. Mm -hmm. That food was so good. Um, So I'm eager to try that. I really want to go up to uh, Vancouver and check out their food scene. And I want to go to Mexico City, the the Michelin Star restaurant in Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Um, The name is eluding me. Yeah, no, it starts with a P. It's a, everything eludes me now. Yeah. Pools. Pools. Uh, okay, yeah. So That may be one, and there's another one, too. And I, that is a, like an offshoot of that, or so I can't think of it right now. But 
Um, I do my best to remember the places in Portland and a few in Spain that I must remember. I had to ask JL about La, what was the the bar we went to uh, right ac- right around from the hotel yesterday. I had to remember that. La, La Pesada? No. La right Co- next to La Pesada. Uh, the, the, the bar. It's La Cena. La Cena. Yeah, La Cena. La La Cena. La Cerdo, La Cena. Yeah. Lasenas with an S. Okay. I was missing the S. Lasenas. Anyway, so sorry. I have to. I have to, uh, you know, backtrack and defend myself from my memory because I don't <laughs> want to insult anybody. Right. So um, Mexico City. I'd love to go to Mexico. I've never been there. I've planned on it about three times, and things have fallen through. So that, um, you know, I've talked about doing things in Seattle too. I've always wanted to dip my toe up into that whole market. Um, yeah. from both a business perspective. I've been there personally quite a bit. Have you ever been to Victoria, BC? I have a few times, actually. That little yeah, there's s- a, sleepy little... It's not as sleepy. It's gro- it's it's waking up Is a it? little bit. And I find it to be an awesome trip to go up there. And, you know, Chinatown is great. And I made great friends there, so... I really like Victoria. I like the experience. We go there like every New Year's now. That's our thing. Oh, nice. So, nice. Um, well, when every time we go, we go to the museums and rent the little scooters to go around the island and you know eat mm-hmm. at little cafes and drink coffee. And it's just really relaxing. I don't know. Uh, I, I'd be down to hang out with you up there to see what you have, have to show me. Uh, yeah, well, I got a I got a friend who's dialed in. So, nice. um, but uh, you know the the tea. The Chris, the afternoon tea for Christmas at Butchard Gardens is pretty awesome. Uh-huh. That, that's, and then you can walk around the gardens. They're all lit up. It's, it's pretty nice. nice. So, Anyway, just a little suggestion. Um, I have taken enough of your time on your day off. I really appreciate the time. You didn't know what we were going to talk about. I did. Kind of neither did I. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I had an idea. I just wanted people to get to know you. And I will say if you re- – it's a pretty cool idea if they want to get to know you and Javier and JL. And unfortunately, the downside is you get to know me a little better. If you go on these trips, yeah, um, you know, we'd love to have people along with us. And that's not the that's not the reason we did this podcast, but it's something in common we have. That's a lot of fun. You know, when I, I we're, we're we're talking a lot about Urdaneta, and I view it as a public service announcement. Right? This is not a this is, you know, if people haven't been there, they need to be there. Right. Same thing with my trips. It's like, all you need to do is know about it. You can choose to go or not. Right. But if you don't know about it, you'll never have the opportunity to go. Exactly. So exactly. That That's the way I feel about that. But at any rate, I will look forward to, Jesus, uh, it's a little over a month. We're going to spend eight concentrated days doing some pretty cool things all over again. And this time... It would be the second time, so we've tweaked it a little bit from the April trip, uh-huh. and by next April, we'll tweak it again, I think. Maybe, maybe not. I think we got it nicely tweaked for this. the folks who are lucky enough to be coming in uh, September. Yeah, we have some good folks coming. Yeah. Yeah, some, and yes, some of them handpicked by you. I do know that you recently told me that it dawned on you, <laughs> you <laughs> that... Hey, you're gonna you're gonna need you're gonna be with these people for eight days, so maybe you need to be a little more uh, dis- picky about who you're picking. Right, right. Yeah, a little more discerning. This is someone I want to be with, rather than hey, anybody's got the the resources to go. These these folks should want to go. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, anybody who has the opportunity should go. But um, yeah, I mean, not, the, the last trip was great. This trip, I think, is going to be great as well. I think it's going to be even, I, I think the last trip was great. We had a little cloud of, you know, the, this was still the period where you needed the negative test to get back to the U.S. We're beyond that now, and I think that's going to open it up quite a bit and make it a little more, you know, take that cloud away that yeah, we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but from here on in, we don't have that, and I think, you know, you can see travel is open. People are traveling a lot now. Yeah, so. yeah. That's that's going to be pretty cool. I have one stupid question that I could edit out. And um, what's the biggest tip you've ever received? <laughs> I mean, there's there's a live, you know, I received a twelve hundred dollar tip once. There's a, at the restaurant, uh, not at this restaurant. There's uh, oh, okay, one guy that is a now a really good friend of mine who owns 
some billion dollar companies. Um, I just had him and his wife had a really good time. You know, he was, didn't know what he wanted to eat and couldn't make the choice. So he ordered one thing and I brought him out three things that he couldn't decide on. And I paid for them. And he gave me a, a $400 tip and said, have a great time in Spain. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's got to feel pretty good when you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, and it someone does. appreciates it that much. It does. Yeah. Well, good. Keep on working. Uh, that gives that that sets the bar uh, at a nice high place. I don't know if it's four hundred or twelve hundred, whichever one you <laughs> mentioned, but that's the bar. Someone go in and beat it. Make Andre a happy man, and he deserves it. I will say that. So, um, so thanks so much for coming by on a Wednesday morning. I, I appreciate it, Thank and you, uh, I hope this was easier on you than you originally anticipated i think you were like just not sure i wasn't i wasn't but it's it's good i'm glad i did it good thanks for having me. uh no totally appreciated and uh we'll look forward to seeing you soon sounds good right at the fork is hosted and produced by chris angeles and court johnson connect with us on twitter and instagram at food podcast pdx or on facebook at right at the fork or online at right at the fork.com 